Yeah, my uh, for those um, who haven't heard, who weren't here this morning, um, I'm going to be, as David said, resuming my legal career. Uh, Emily and I will be uh, continue to be part of Eastgate and able to invest here and uh, still be involved uh, with our evening meetings, uh, which is one of the things I've I've really enjoyed and has really been a thrill for me, uh, being able to be part of this and help create this uh, environment. And it's also been a great learning ground for me in terms of just um, experiencing God in new ways and uh, taking risk, stepping out, learning what it is to flow with him uh, at a whole new level. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to still being part of that. And uh, But tomorrow, actually, I'm going to be uh, starting and, or resuming my legal career uh, back in the city. Uh, God's opened up a great opportunity, uh, or what looks like a great opportunity for me there. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I said this morning, you know, we, Emily and I, obviously a big decision that we, uh, we reached uh, a few weeks ago, a few months ago now. And uh, it was not an easy one to reach. Um, but we've really seen God's goodness and God's hand uh, on us and, uh, you know, in terms of opening up the opportunity that he has for us. And um, we've also really known his leading in it. And uh, I'll refer to some of that this morning, uh, sorry, this evening, um, because what I want to share this evening is seeing through heaven's eyes. Uh, that's what I want to call this message. And uh, really as an encouragement and as a, a provocation to encourage you to uh, stretch further in terms of what it looks like to see people and to see the world around you uh, as heaven sees it, as God sees it. Uh, actually, one of the things, uh, as Emily and I were uh, coming to the point of making a decision about uh, my future and, and uh, what God was, was leading us to do, um, it was actually shortly before uh, we, we made that decision and uh, God had spoken to us a number of times already um, but somebody actually at one of these evening meetings uh, just came up to me uh, at the end of the meeting and uh, they weren't aware of uh, what we were talking about processing uh, with folks and also uh, just asking God about. And uh, they came up to me and just said, uh, a bit hesitantly, a bit sheepishly, uh, towards the end of a meeting, just said, just during worship, uh, just uh, really felt God uh, give me, or I just saw you standing in front of this uh, glass building. It was a modern uh, glass building, uh, really tall building, and uh, I could just see you uh, operating there. And uh, it was an office building, an office block, and uh, reminded me as they described it of where I used to work in the city. And and they just the phrase they gave me, the, the word they gave me was, "God says that's my church too. Uh, that's my church too." And uh, at the time, it, well, it's still very significant for us. Uh, it was a very significant uh, word. And it's something, it's a word that I'm digging into. You know when God gives you uh, words and uh, that phrase, that's my church too, is something that's uh, just caught my heart and uh, it's got me asking God questions. It's always good to ask God questions. Um, sometimes when we're not getting the, an answer from God, uh, just think of a different question because uh, it may be that you're just asking the wrong question. Um, but I've been asking God, what does that mean? What does it mean? That's my church too. Uh, what does that mean in practice? What does that mean for me as I uh, step back into that arena and into that world? And um, one of the things uh, God's really been putting on my heart is the ability to see people as he sees them. Not just in this context, uh, but also uh, out there in the world around us. 
I think we're amazing. We've, we've developed incredibly at seeing one another uh, through heaven's eyes. Uh, I think there's even further for us to go in that. Uh, but I, I really feel that God is stirring me, he's stirring us with that question of actually our ability to see people in the world around us through heaven's eyes. And one of the other things he just highlighted to me, when Emily and I first came to Eastgate, um, I think it's just over seven years ago now, uh, in our first year here, uh, we just really prioritized building relationships. Uh, we, we just said we're not going to throw ourselves into things uh, because what we want to do is actually really build relationships first and we want to build friendships. We want to be part of family first uh, and let what we do flow out uh, of that. And God just reminded me of that when I was asking him, uh, what do you mean? This is my church too. What do you mean by that? And what does that mean for me practically stepping back into that world? And he just reminded me, what did you do in your first year here at Eastgate? And, uh, you know, I said, well, we just invested in relationships. We, we prioritize people and getting to know people. And he just said to me, will you do the same where you're going? Will you do the same where you're going? And it really struck me because I'd spent, uh, prior to coming on staff here, I'd spent 10 years working in the city. And it just struck me, actually, in that moment, and God said that to me, you know, and I just thought, actually, about how I build relationships here and our heart here, you know, to connect with people and to invest in people and to draw the dreams out of people and to discover who people are. And it just suddenly struck me when God uh, gave me that answer, just, actually, am I... Am I able to do the same? Am I willing to do the same uh, outside of this context? Am I willing to do the same as I step back into that world uh, to actually invest in, in relationships, to invest in people, to see who they are through God's eyes and to draw the gold out of them, just as we do in this environment? So that's something that's really living with me as I'm making this transition, as I'm making this change. And so I just want to share some thoughts that I've been having around that uh, just to really stimulate you and encourage you you know, to stretch even further in seeing people through heaven's eyes. I want to look at a few stories in scripture. Before I do, actually, I just want to, I want to start just by prophesying. I guess one of the things that this, this message is, a, is about the ability to see uh, as heaven sees and to call that out of people. And just as we were worshipping, uh, I just felt God speak to me for a couple of people. And uh, firstly, Patrick and Felicity, um, I just wanted to prophesy over you guys. And um, do you want to just stand up so folks know who you are? Some people won't necessarily know who you are. Um, but I just, I noticed you and uh, just as I was laying on the floor, I just felt God remind me, um, you, call you to mind. And I just felt, I was, I, was, I was reminded, Felicity, of what you said in your, um, in the ESSL um, promo video where you say, don't mention the word retirement. <laughs> don't mention the R word. And the thing that began to come to mind for me was, uh, was the word investment and making investments. And, uh, I felt that God was saying to you that, um, I, I just feel like God's going to be opening up investment opportunities for you. And I feel like, um, you know, in retirement, I want to, my field is pensions. So I know in retirement, typically, Typically, people are disinvesting at that point and are, are spending their investments. You know, you're, you're turning them back into cash and you're spending them. But I felt for you that God was saying it's not a typical retirement. 
And actually, he's calling you to make investments. I felt the first thing I saw was property, but I also saw businesses. Um, And I know, Patrick, that you mentor business leaders and people in business. And I felt that that God was going to actually bring you some strategic connections through that and some investment opportunities that were going to come your way through that as well. I felt that there's going to be financial provision uh, in order for you to make investments, but also felt that the investment of your time and your expertise was also going to be, people were going to treat that as an investment. And we're actually going to give you a return and stakes in businesses because of the investment that you're making because they're going to want to draw on your expertise wow, and your insight uh, in terms of what they're creating. So it was, as I say, it was that sense around investment and investment opportunities coming. And I felt it was God was wanting to encourage you to take them, even though perhaps typically you might be thinking the opposite or people, you know, in retirement might be thinking the opposite. It would actually know these investments God's bringing to you. Uh, for you to make. So, bless you with that. Um, yeah, give them a round of applause. Um, the other one, I'm, I'm stretching myself a bit with this next one. Um, sorry. But does anyone have business connections in the kind of Middle East? I'm thinking specifically the countries that came to mind were the Yemen, Dubai, and Hong Kong. Anyone? I know Hong Kong is the Far East. But anyone with business connections in those parts of the world? No, that's fine. You do? So? Dubai and Hong Kong. Okay, what's your name? Oh, okay, it is you. I've got the name Bob as well. Do you want to just stand up? <laughs> cool. I thought I'd start with the more general. I, I didn't, I was too nervous to go for Bob. Uh, <laughs> So I thought I'd start with Yemen and then ask the name, and it turns out it's Bob. Wow, that's good. Okay, um, so what I got for you, Bob, the thing I remember, well, I got the name Bob first, actually. Um, and then I saw a big city, and it reminded me of Hong Kong. Um, and uh, I, could, I could see a city scene and obviously cars and lots of life happening, and then I could just see this river and it was like the two were next to one another. And, uh, and then I was reminded of the film, The Salmon Fishing in the Yemen, um, which reminded me of Dubai and, and those other places. And I just felt like, I don't know if you've seen Salmon Fishing in the Yemen, uh, but basically uh, um, the, there's a sheikh over in the Yemen who wants to introduce salmon into rivers in the Yemen, which is just a crazy project. But he's willing to put unlimited resource uh, into that, and he hires, I think it's a Scottish scientist, uh, to, to make that happen, uh, and to make that a reality. And I just felt God was saying for you, uh, just that, um, He's going to be opening doors of influence for you, and doors of uh, opportunity for you among some very powerful people. Um, and I really felt it was about salvation, the whole thing of salmon, fish, salvation. I felt that there was connections that God was wanting to bring to you, uh, that were, about influence and about salvation. They were also business, and, and there was a blessing on business in what you were doing. But you were bringing a river uh, into the business world. You were bringing the river of heaven. You were bringing salvation. Uh, in, and, and there was this combination between business and, and, and the river of God that were coming together. Um, and he was opening up, going to open up those opportunities uh, for you. So, yeah, I saw the river flowing in the middle of the city. Uh, and in the middle of the business um, and felt it was about influence and salvation that those two things uh, were things that God was going to open up for you. So.
Bless you. Okay, wow. It works. <laughs> it's good when it works. Um, so, seeing through heaven's eyes. There you go. Uh, I thought I'd start with a, let's try it. Let's do it. See through heaven's eyes. So we get to see people in this context through heaven's eyes. We get to call things out of them. Um, but God's also calling us to do that in the world around us. And I want to just look at three quick stories uh, from Scripture, from the, uh, starting in the Gospels, uh, that just reveal the heart of God and the way that Jesus, firstly Jesus uh, did this. And I want to look at two stories uh, involving uh, Peter. First one is in Luke chapter 5. Because I believe it's really important the way that we see people and the way that we treat people and our ability to see um, to see people not as they are, but as God has called them to be and as God intends them to be. You see, I believe that every person in God's sight, every person has great value. Every person has intrinsic value. Jesus told three stories uh, in Luke 15, he told three stories about the lost. A story of a lost sheep, a story of a lost coin, and the story of a lost son. And all those stories are about salvation. All those stories are about God going after people and finding that which was lost and restoring that which was lost. And one of the things you get from all three of those stories is the value that God places on everybody. The value that God places on people that don't know him yet. He doesn't just place value on those people that know him yet. He places value on everybody. And I've said this before in this context, but our value doesn't come from the fact uh, that we believed in Jesus. Our value comes from the fact that God made us. And it's really important that we get that settled in our heart because if we believe that our value only starts at the cross and is only redeemed at the cross... Actually, that's really going to affect the way that we see the world around us and that we interact with people that don't know Jesus yet. But if we recognize and believe that actually God places great value on everybody, that he sees everybody as his son or his daughter. Some people know they are and some people don't yet. But he's calling all of them home and he places great value upon them. Actually, I believe that that's the starting point for seeing people through heaven's eyes. And I believe that Jesus, one of the things that he did was he communicated worth and value to everybody that he met. There's this phrase going around in my mind that Jesus didn't guilt people into the kingdom. He worthed them into the kingdom. He didn't guilt people into the kingdom. He worthed them into the kingdom. See, I don't believe that Jesus primarily went around pointing out people's sin and the things that were wrong with people. I believe that if you were around Jesus, probably I reckon one of the first things that you would have been struck with, one of the first things that you would have become aware aware of was how valuable you were in his sight and how valuable you were to the Father. I believe that that's why sinners, people that ordinarily would have withdrawn from the religious folk, from the religious environment, were actually attracted to Jesus. Because one of the reasons that they were in sin, one of the reasons that they were rebelling was because they didn't know who they were and they didn't know how much they were worth. And I believe that being around Jesus actually would have communicated that to them. And we see that in this first story in Luke chapter 5, 
uh, with Peter. We pick up the story and this is uh, the first story about miraculous catch of fish. And I'm just going to pick it up in verse 4. So when Jesus had finished speaking to the people, he said to Simon, Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And what I want you to know is this is before Peter was following Jesus. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so full that they began to sink. So this was an incredible uh, event, an incredible miracle that was happening. And Simon was witness to this, and he was participating in it. And this was his reaction. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. He recognized who Jesus was. But this is how he saw himself. And he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. So he recognized he had the ability to see. He just witnessed a miracle. He just witnessed this miraculous catch of fish. And he had a partial revelation in that moment of who God was. He saw that he was Lord. He saw that he had power. He knew who he was. But shame, he also became aware of his own shame and his own sinfulness in that moment. And his sinfulness and his shame was actually going to keep him from God. In his, in his shame, he was actually going to push God away. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that had been taken. I just want you to note what Jesus' response was to this. Because Jesus doesn't say, yes, Peter, you're right. You're a sinful man. Jesus' response was this. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So he was calling out who Peter was. Peter was there and he felt ashamed. He was withdrawing. He was pushing Jesus away. And that's what shame will do. There's a difference, I believe, between guilt and shame. And we see it right from the beginning, Adam and Eve, when they eat the apple. Shame actually causes them to hide from God. Shame actually causes them to withdraw from him. They know who he is, but they're not able to get to him because of their shame. Guilt means I've done something bad. Shame tells you you are bad. There's a big difference. There's a fundamental difference between those two things. But what Jesus does is he lifts his shame off of him. The shame that's threatening to keep him away from God, to make him withdraw, to keep God at arm's length. Actually, what Jesus does is he's able to see through that. He's able to see beyond that and he's able to speak to Peter And say to Peter, Peter, don't be afraid. Come to me. Because you are a fisher of men. He was able to see Peter, not as Peter saw himself. Not as many other people would have seen Peter. Most other people would have agreed with Peter's assessment of himself. But Jesus called him out. Peter, you're a fisher of men. He called out the greatness in him. He called out the gold in him.
Then I want you to turn to John chapter 21. And we have another story of a miraculous catch of fish. (laughs) This is towards the end of the gospel. When Jesus has risen and he's appeared to the disciples a few times. And this is another appearance. And a similar thing happens. We pick it up again in in verse 4. It says, early in the morning... Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Jesus did it again. He did it again. The same thing happened. They hadn't caught any fish. They'd been out all night. They were experienced fishermen. This man on the side of the shore, they didn't actually know who he was at the time, but this man on the side of the shore tells them to throw their nets on the other side. I wonder why they did it. I don't know. But they did, and the same thing happened. And in that moment, it says, The disciple whom Jesus loved, as John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round himself, And he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. So this time, Simon Peter, rather than withdrawing from Jesus, instead of withdrawing, actually what Simon Peter does when he realizes who it is, is he takes off his outer garment and he jumps into the water and he runs to greet him. Now, the, the amazing thing here is what's happened in between Simon Peter's kind of reached the heights as a disciple. But at this point, he's just kind of fallen off a cliff. Because he's denied Jesus three times. We all know that story where Jesus is about to be crucified. And Peter disowns him three times. What I love about this story is instead of feeling shame in this moment, like he did in the first account, actually Peter knows Jesus well enough to know that he won't turn him away. He knows Jesus well enough to know that he can run to him. He doesn't need to run away from him. And it's amazing what Jesus says, because if you turn just over the page on verse 15, we have this account of Jesus interacting with Simon. And in this moment, Jesus is going to restore Simon following his failure. It says, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This time it hurt Peter. Because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. What I love again about this is Peter, you can imagine what he might have been feeling at this moment. What he might have been experiencing at this moment. Having just let not just his best friend, but his Lord and Savior down at his moment of greatest need. Having proclaimed that he would never fail him, he failed him 
before a child. He disowned him before a child. But rather than seeing Peter's failure, and rather than looking at Peter and treating him according to his history, Jesus was able to see Peter according to his destiny and was still able to call that out of him. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter, you're not a failure. You're not someone who's weak, who's disowned me. Actually, I've called you to feed my sheep and feed my lambs. I've called you to be an apostle in my church. I've called you to make my name known and bring salvation to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. Jesus was able to see him through heaven's eyes. And I believe that this is what God is calling us to do. To be able to treat people not according to their history, but according to their destiny. Both in this environment, but also in the world around us. When you're at work tomorrow, when you're interacting with family, when you're interacting with your neighbours. Actually the ability to see them, not as they stand before you, not as they present themselves, not as they see themselves. But actually the ability to see them as heaven sees them and to call that out of them. I believe it's one of the key ways in which we can reveal the heart and the nature and the love of God to people. There's one other story I just want to look at quickly in Acts chapter 9. And this is the story of Paul's conversion. He was Saul and then became Paul. This famous story of him having the encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he'd become blind as a result of that. And God speaks to one of his children, a bit like us. He speaks to someone like us, a man called Ananias. And he tells Ananias, he wants Ananias to go and pray for Paul's healing. And this is the account In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias quickly realized who God was speaking about, and he answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on his name. So Ananias knew that Paul was the same. This was the same man who was terrorizing Christians, was killing Christians. And yet God was telling him to go and pray for this man for his healing and his restoration. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. Why? This man, Paul, is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. This man, Paul, this terrorist, this one who's been murdering Christians, is my chosen instrument. And he's going to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. So my challenge to you is when you 
look at your colleagues, when you look at the people around you, when you look at your family members, do you see the terrorist Saul? Or are you able to see the Apostle Paul? Just like Ananias was kind of wrestling with God. God was revealing to him. Yeah, Ananias, you're right. This is who Saul has been. But this is how I see him. Are you able to see people that way? I just want you to think for a moment, just to make it real. I just want you to think for a moment about somebody you might struggle with. Maybe it's in your office. Maybe it's in your family. Someone you find it hard to deal with. And I just want you to ask God, how do you see them? How do you see them? I want you to ask God, who are they? Who have you made them to be? And that might seem hard. It might seem a stretch. But you know, the supernatural love of God is supernatural. (laughs) It's beyond what we can do in ourselves. But his love enables us to get there. And enables us to see people the way that he sees them. To see the Apostle Paul instead of the terrorist Saul. To see the rock Peter instead of the weak Peter. The failing Peter. You see, because I believe God wants us to reveal his love nature to people to reveal the heart of God and I I think this is one of the key ways in which he's wanting us to do that to see people around us not as the world sees them not as they see themselves not as we might have experienced them but actually to see them as heaven sees them and to call that out of them to communicate to them their value to communicate them to them their worth in God's sight and to be able to call that out of them and call out who they are even before they're displaying those things. I don't know how many of you saw the royal wedding uh, a few months ago uh, and the message, I think it was Michael Curry, the message that he preached, amazing message on the love of God. Um, I think it was watched by around 1.9 billion people or something like that. Um, If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend you watch it on YouTube. It was really significant and powerful. And as I was watching it, I just felt it was no coincidence uh, that that was the message. I believe that God is revealing his love nature. I believe that God is revealing his love nature to us. I believe he's wanting to reveal it to the world around us. Jesus said that we need to be aware of and read the signs of the times. I think that was, that was a huge prophetic declaration, a prophetic statement, a prophetic revelation uh, about the love of God. I believe he's, he's releasing his love uh, over this nation and over the nations. I actually believe we're in a time, and I just want to prophesy this for this nation, a time of God's favor and a time where the favor of God and the hand of God is upon us as a nation. And I believe that this current revival that God is pouring out and that's been growing and developing over the last few decades, it, I believe it's to be marked by love. It's going to be characterized, it's going to, we're going to experience power, but it's going to be love and power flowing together. And I don't believe, I think Michael Curry's message on that wedding day was actually an announcement and a proclamation to the world about the heart of God, about the love of God. A third of the world's population hearing a message about the love of God. I don't believe that that was by accident. And I believe God wants us to be agents of love, 
everywhere around us and to be able to communicate that love to the people that we're interacting with. To be able to see people as he sees them and to be able to call that out of them. To call things that are not as though they are and to communicate the love and the worth, the value of God to the world around us. What I want to do just to finish is I actually just want to give us a chance just to encounter that love. Because as I said, this is supernatural. Okay, this isn't something that we just will ourselves into. This isn't just something that we produce by ourselves. This This is a supernatural revelation of the love of God that enables us to operate in this way. Paul talks about encountering the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Okay, it surpasses knowledge. How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? It's revealed by his spirit. It's revealed by his spirit to your spirit. So what I want to do, I want to play a song that's going to be familiar to you. uh, And I just want to create an opportunity for you to encounter love. And for you to encounter the love of God. It's it's a song you'll be familiar with, Reckless Love. Um, But it's a version uh, where Corey Asprey, who wrote that song, actually in the middle of it just explains the heart behind the song. Um, and I, I believe it kind of really communicates what I've been trying to share this evening. And hopefully we'll just create an environment in which you can encounter love in a new way. Because as we encounter his love, we become love uh, to the world around us. And we're able to give that away. It's about our hearts experiencing and receiving love so that we can become love and give that away to the world around us. So, Akin, if we could ready that video so if you want to just position yourselves just posture your hearts just to experience encounter his love we're going to listen to this it's about 10 minutes long or so um and just allow this opportunity just to encounter him in new ways